Well, we return now to the dark streets of Christchurch, and I say return because my guest has joined us on the programme before to talk about his extraordinary work, but this time it's taken a totally new form. Paul Cleave is a crime writer and three-time Nio Marsh Award winner whose books have been translated into 20 languages. He's sold more than a million of them. His first novel, The Cleaner, follows the murderous nighttime antics of a Christchurch man who by day presents as a mild-mannered janitor at a police station. The book's been turned into a six-part TV series called Dark City, The Cleaner, and Paul's been intricately involved in the process as the production screenwriter. He's in the Otatahi Christchurch studio. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for your patience this morning as we dealt with uh, some of that breaking news. Thank you. Crazy. Um, everyone's going to start turning to Facebook for the news in the future if they get rid of media. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. Um, we'll all be injecting ivermectin, drinking bleach. Yeah, interesting observation. Um, hey, look, congratulations! I've started watching, and it's a wonderful adaptation and um, fun. If a serial murderer, <laughs> murderer should be fun, <laughs> but it's 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 been beautifully kind of presented in in that way that engrosses you in the character. How long have you been working um, towards bringing this first novel to TV, Paul? Uh, look, I would go back six or seven years was when we first had our, um, when we thought it was going to be possible, when we first signed it up. Uh, we were pretty close a couple of times. Um, weirdly, we were almost there a few years ago when the Me Too movement struck. And that just threw the brakes on a lot of work like mine and other um, writers because of, you know, the, the content. Um, people just, you know, we had script writers involved who pulled out, we had production companies pulled out, TV stations pulled out. That was a long time ago. Um, things have changed. We were just, we kind of hit that, this little narrow window of where the things were getting dumped. Um, but, you know, now on this side of it, um, we're back in place and um, and the better for it, actually. For those who know and love the novel and novels, um, what's been involved in adapting it for TV? There's still an element of, of uh, sensitivity, yeah. I guess, around how graphic... One thing to be graphic mm. in a book, another to be graphic on screen. And I think you've done this really cleverly, actually. Um, so what what was involved there? What was the toing and froing there of, of getting it ready for TV, but without losing the shock uh, of of what happens in stories like this? Well, the first thing was you couldn't just take the book and go, let's cut this into six pieces and, uh, and tell the story. You know, we had to introduce um, other plot lines, other characters. Um, as far as how graphic it gets, the book is the same as the show in the sense that a lot of dark things happen, but the most graphic things and violent things that you see are like in the book, it's they are what happened to the bad person. Um, and they the really like do, that. trust me. <laughs> <laughs> that but, is quite some TV viewing, isn't it? <laughs> when we look, when I wrote those scripts, and I was, you know, and, and the director record was like, just put it all in there, and I did. And people who read the book will know what we're talking about. People who don't, you're in for something. And we didn't know whether we'd get that across the line because that is unlike anything you have ever seen on TV or film before. And uh, and we went for it, you know. Um, Rick shot it. Um, I, I don't really want to say too much. Prosthetics were made. Um, you know, Prosthetics were harmed. <laughs> yeah, and like, I remember with the first time I saw the footage to that, I laughed, and not because not because it's funny, but because you cannot believe what you're seeing. And there's a few moments in the show that are like that, like 
you know, it is it's funny as well. There's a lot of comedy in it. Um, but some of the things you laugh at are not funny at all. But you just are in so much shock that you're like, how did these guys get away with um, with making this? But we really went for it. Yeah, and that's your point. You, you've got to occupy a character. You've got to be real to a character. You can't sanitise it and turn it into sort of Sunday, you know, um, Sunday lunch fodder. But it is a line you have to work, right? And, and perhaps a line especially in, in bringing something to television. What I also love is getting inside the character's head, a character none of us could imagine ourselves being. But through the narration... <laughs> we find ourselves just inside what starts off with being this completely ordinary guy's life. And then very cleverly we see what is not so ordinary about him. Um, again, is that just a, lo- a logical kind of adaptation from the novel, or does it, take, does it take a little bit more thinking when you are screenwriting? Well, look, first of all, the thing we were up against right at the start, the question was, do we use voiceover? Um, I always really like it. But it's the one thing that I think you're not supposed to do a lot of these days. But the book, because it's written in first perspective, really lends itself to to that happening. So we just went down that path of um, of just writing it, actually. Um, and then it was a matter of how much. Like in the beginning, you know, if you're writing a script and you're putting all the voice over that's in there now, it, the script would have been 100 pages long. So there was a minimum amount of voiceover to get the actors to kind of work around it, you'd have a guy on, on the side of the stage reading out the voiceover so the actors get their cues um, from that. But then the project came back to me a couple of months later for me to write more voiceover because we all loved it. It was great. You got the inside of, um, you know, of Joe's point of view and you get the comedy there as well. You get the contrast between what he's thinking and what he's doing. And the voiceover for me was the most fun part. You're coming up with the with the one-liners, the jokes, uh, his view on the world, which is unlike anybody else. But you do get pulled into his world, and you know ultimately, again, without sort of giving a spoiler, but you you kind of start rooting for the guy. You know, you want good things to happen for him, um, probably because you see him as more bad things happen to him. You start to sympathise with him, and he's a sympathetic guy. You know, he's got a crazy mom, he's got pet goldfish, you know, he lives in a horrible apartment. Um, you know, he's a very likable serial killer, which is weird to say, because he's not like like a Dexter serial killer. You know, he's not out there like killing bad people. He's out there killing nice people. And that was a really hard balance to make the audience, the reader or the, or the viewer, like a character who behaves so badly. That's why I think the, the narration is so important, because it puts you inside his head and the banality in some ways of his head. Um, look, this is a story about a serial killer of women. Uh, who, as you've said, had a complicated relationship with other women in his life, his mother, his colleague Sally. But the character of Melissa is pivotal mm-hmm. to, the, to, to the plot here. And how has she been portrayed in this TV series? And by whom? Because you've got a fantastic cast here, Paul. Yeah, I know. Chelsea's... Like, man, I'll tell you what, when, you, when I met Chelsea uh, for the first time, it was like, this is Melissa, you know? Um, kind of like... I don't want to say that I was wondering if she'd really like this off screen because she was like such a, like the nicest person ever, but she was just, she owned, totally owned that role, as does Cohen. Uh, so like with the book, the Melissa character comes through uh, around about halfway into the book and she's kind of in and out, like she's a pivotal part of the story, but you don't spend a lot of time with her. What the scripts, Lionsgate wanted us to bring Melissa in early uh, into the first episode. So that's what I did. I changed, you know, how they met. 
uh, brought her in in episode one, and then they kind of have a different relationship in the in the show than they do to the book because it can't just be her ringing Joe every five minutes saying, where's my money? You know, it has to be a collaborative kind of thing. So she is in, in the show in a very different way from the book, but I think in a very better way. She, yeah, she does. Uh, and it's a very complex character, um, as we said. Um, the, the, the challenge, again, as you said, you can't just cut a book into six parts. Was that a challenge to adapt and stay true to the story while at the same time making it a television series? Do you think the length is, is right for it, Paul? And second, it might be a chance to talk about your own role in the, in the, in the screenwriting or in the production. Yeah, look, I think that for me, I've finally found my thing in life that I really want to do. Like, I had such a good time uh, writing the show, and um, it's going to sound weird, but I actually just it was just easy for me. It was just uh, like I've known that story for for many many years, um, and it was just something I was able to do um, without you know too much effort. And, and I, I know that I know how that sounds, but I just mean it was. It was it was enjoyable and I loved it and I had a good time doing it um, and it was easy. Um, so it was just a matter of uh, picking elements from the book that I um, that I you know loved the most, uh, getting those in there, and then just bringing in some newer things so we could stretch it out. Uh, look, I remember years ago I always used to think I'd love any of my shows, uh, sorry, any of my uh, books to to become a, a movie. That was always the ultimate goal. But now, not at all. Like, TV is all I'd, uh, I'd want any of these things to be now. You can just tell so much more story. You've got six hours. Um, you can really um, get more into those characters. You can tell a lot more. Um, so I, that's it's what I want to do moving forward now is writing for TV. Are there plans for adapting more? or? Um... Yes. Um, look, I've got a, one book which is um, signed up um, overseas, uh, as a movie, we're hoping. I, I know there's a script on that. I haven't been involved in that one, but that's that'll be a big thing. If that one works out, it'll be um, a bit of a life changer as well. Um, I've got another one which is um, which I've just written a pitch for, which I've sent um, to my agent um, just recently. Uh, we want to start showing that around, and I've got another one as well that I want to work on. Someone uh, work with someone here um, making that. So they're. Uh, they're all kind of like irons in the fire, and we'll just um, we'll just see. But at the moment, I got to finish the new book, and that's the priority. Can we go back? We talked a hundred years ago, Paul. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, know. I know. Can we? That's can, great. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, it's interesting because you you said you found what you want to do in life, and initially you thought you'd done that when you started writing novels, and you were pretty young. Yeah. And when obviously you, you were published in your mid twenties, and I think it was even you were even in your teens when you started writing, weren't you? That bit's true. I was published, I think, when I was 31. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I remember coming in, into the studio and being so nervous I could barely speak and thinking I was going to throw up. And, I, and my best friend had to come in with me and pretty much hold my hand through those first couple of years of doing this. Um, I can't believe it's getting up towards 20 years ago, which is uh, kind, of, <laughs> kind of horrible. But, look, yeah, right, look, when I say... Script writing is what I want to, you know, I found my thing. Um, I still want to write books as well. Um, I just, you know, I just love writing, basically. And this is, I guess it's a newer thing, and I want to explore that for a while and just see um, 
see where it can go. We talked at the time also about Christchurch being the setting for these. I actually think it's a great setting for crime novels. Yeah, and even fantastic. before, you know, you talked about your experiences, I think, um, <laughs> of the city changing and, you know, getting yeah. beaten up by some skinheads at one point. <laughs> but there's so just, true. There yeah. was something, um, and I don't want to bring up the earthquake, but, you know, there was something even about the architecture, the flat streets spreading out to nowhere, you know, the sort of hills sort of sitting there in the background is like this looming um, character. There's something almost Londonesque about, about Christchurch. And you, you could set some of these in the 50s or wherever or earlier mm-hmm. and you'd still have the right setting, yeah? Yeah, the city hasn't changed a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, sure, there's a bunch of brand new buildings now, but... Mm. Um, That's but a challenge a for you as a writer, isn't it? I've, I've seen you, you know, explain why the, the earthquake as part of Christchurch history has not made it into your books yeah. yet. And for really practical reasons, it's difficult to do. It was a timeline thing between, you know, the events between the cleaner and the sequel, um, without giving away a um, a plot point, you know, they can only have been nine months apart if that's a plot point. And so the idea of suddenly going, here's an earthquake that happened in all these other books and we never mentioned it, uh, you couldn't do. So to um, to keep that timeline on course, you just had to completely blow past it. Um, and then, of course, you know, many years beyond that, it was just, it's still not in there. It's, it'll be, you can't establish a world, not establish the event, and then, you know, refer to it. So um, the books, you know, the books don't don't need it. Um, it's fine. You've got the two Joe Middleton novels, I think. You've got mm-hmm. four or five, five Theodore Tate novels, and then another half dozen um, standalone right. novels, plus yep. the one you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and... What is it, do you think, that sees a universality here? Like, you sell masses of books in Germany for some weird reason, I think, but, you know, over a million books sold, right? Which is insane for a, for, for a yeah. New Zealand-based author. What is the universality of your characters and your setting that sees it travel so well? Or is it your plots? Look, it's, um, like, in Europe, every time I go to a writers' festival, whether it's you know, in France or Denmark or Germany or whatever, and, and you are always, um, you get to be on stage and you get to answer questions, you get to chat with um, with readers. One of the big things is New Zealand. Like You go anywhere in Europe and uh, you're doing an event and you go, I'm from New Zealand, and people will go, I want to go there. And then they'll go, all blacks, because that's all they know, all blacks, hobbits, and beautiful um, landscapes. That's the three things that people always bring up. And the fourth thing is always, I want to go to New Zealand, uh, unless they've already been there. And if they've been there, they want you to know. They'll, you know, you'll be signing a book, and someone will come up, and they go, I, "I've been to New Zealand. You know, I love it." And it's always universal. You know, um, people love this country. Uh, so the books, I think, have travelled well because of that, especially in that part of the world. Um, yeah, for sure. This character, and we'll talk about Cohen Holloway um, acting him in the moment, the character of Joe Middleton, I mean, part of what is so creepy is, you know, this isn't sort of some kind of, um, you know, Jack the Ripper staunting, um, stalking um, Cathedral Square or anywhere. Uh, no, it's no giveaway to the listeners that we're beginning in someone's private home in the most, you know basic way possible he wanders in as if he owns the place you know and then the eyes narrow when his victim comes out and and is shocked by him Um, the window shopping that he does you know as he's travelling around on the bus it takes a particular character and perhaps a particular actor to capture that kind of um, terrifying and yet so ordinary presence yeah 
Yeah, Cohen is both those things. No, I could, no he's actually – Cohen was um, unbelievably good. Like I was told um, months before we started shooting, you know, who everyone was going to be in the cast. Um, and someone said to me back then, it doesn't matter – um, who gets cast in these roles, you're never going to think it's the right person. And then you're going to get to set and someone's going to yell action and then you're going to see them do their job and then you're going to go, I can't believe this could have been anybody else. Um, and that's exactly what it was. You know, you see Cohen, once he almost like puts on a, like a mask, you know, it's, it's weird. You just, you see him, here's Cohen, here's Cohen, action, and suddenly it's like, Wow. You know, he is so creepy. Um, it was just, I remember like being so excited uh, coming home from set on day one and just going, oh my God, this guy just is phenomenal. Um, and he is, you know, all through the show, he is just unbelievably good. And him and Chelsea have the best chemistry. Um, and I think you can see that. I think, you know, they had a generally good time uh, on set. The characters have a good time together. It's something quite special. Yeah, and lovely, of course, to have him working in a cop shop. Um, it's just, yeah. again, that's, the, that's the, the humour, the irony that you manage to work into any great crime novel. Hey, congratulations, Paul. Um, thanks sure, again thank for you. popping in. Thanks for your patience this morning. Paul Cleave, uh, The Cleaner, was his first novel. It has now been adapted for television. He's been very involved in that. He's the production screenwriter and is indicating that's where he wants to spend a lot of his writing time going forward.